Hello, Real Life family and friends. Uh, Pastor Tim here as we continue our series on uh, Holy Spirit living, living a life in fellowship with God's presence and how that changes our life. And so uh, one of my uh, really encouraging motivations here for you is to see all of the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has for you and for me to not just um, build up ourselves, but mostly build up one another and how God wants to use us as a conduit of his blessing. And so we've been looking at spiritual gifts uh, the last couple of weeks out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I really encourage you to see that um, the Holy Spirit has been doing this in the Old Testament, New Testament, and today. So this is nothing new with God, yet now we have full access to the, the presence of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God in our lives to live um, outside of just a, a carnal, uh, self-centered you know, existence into a existence of spiritual realities, of tapping into uh, the spiritual realm and the presence of God and, and having supernatural power, right? That's not ours, but it comes through us from God to bless one another, to encourage one another, to build each other up, to build up the church. And so God wants to use you. He's looking for, for people that he can use, whose hearts are fully committed to him, as we talked about last week. And, and is your heart fully committed to God? Well, then God's going to pour himself out on you and through you to bless other people. That's what he wants to do. And in the midst of all that, we're the ones that are getting blessed. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And as we allow God to use our lives, we become more blessed. And so do the people around us. It's an awesome combination. So let's look again, uh, just a quick review of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, first couple of verses. In verse 4, uh, Paul writes, there are different kinds of gifts. Uh, the Greek word there's charismaton, or workings of the Holy Spirit, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service. Uh, and the Greek word there's diakonion, or acts of service. Deacon is the word that we get from that in the English language. But the same Lord. And then verse 6, you see this repetition of pattern. There are different kinds of working. So you have different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. But the same God works all of them in all men. And the word there for working is uh, the word energimaton, which is probably where we get our word energy from. And so there's energies and there's giftings and there's services and there's, there's these uh, different ways that the Holy Spirit moves through us that inspires us, breathes through us uh, to accomplish the will of God on the earth, which is always building one another up, saving people, healing people, bringing people to the Lord. Um, and so that's, that's the will of God that we would prosper, be of good health and, and, and in relationship with God and have eternal life in him and through him. And so all of this in verse seven says uh, to, or in verse eight to yeah, verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so each one of us is a part of this, um, and the, the purpose of the gifts is for the common good. So here's what the ver uh, some of these gifts are that we're, we're looking at. Uh, Paul goes on to list them in verses 8 through 11. So let me read that real quick for us. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, or a word of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge 
by means of the same Spirit. So that's two. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. So there's nine different types of gifts listed in this passage. But I've said previously, God can do anything at any time through any one of us, right? Um, and so these are nine that are, that are listed here, but there's many more varieties of these nine and a variety of giftings and talents and passions and, and, and services that God puts on our hearts to do. So it's not just these nine things and that's it. It's, there's much more, but these nine are, are pretty prominent gifts and they're pretty evident uh, when they are being uh, uh, poured out upon us that they are coming from God and God alone, right? Only God can do these things. And so let's look at these a little bit together. And sometimes people divide these into groups of three. So today we'll look at the first group of three. Uh, and that, and some, sometimes people call these the revelation gifts. So we're going to look at the word of wisdom, uh, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And so we call these the revelation gifts. The other groups that we will look at later are the vocal gifts, which are speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy, and the power gifts, which are miracles, uh, gifts of healing and faith. And those are, those are fun to talk about and look at. So I just want to say this statement, though, and I've already said it once, but I want to say it again very clearly and emphatically. Any gift can be given to any believer, through any believer, at any time, by the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe. And the name spiritual gifts, by, by that name that we call it spiritual gifts, uh, we understand these truths. Number one, that these gifts are coming from the Spirit of God. They're not coming from man. Uh, there is no will or ability of a person that could create these gifts. They do not come from a person. They come from God. They come from the Holy Spirit. That's why they're called spiritual gifts. They come from a spirit, the Holy Spirit. Number two, the distribution of these gifts is also determined by the Spirit, not by me, not by you, not by any person. I don't just decide to pull a gift off the shelf. I, I don't determine that. God determines that. So the gifts are from the Holy Spirit and which ones are distributed at what times and what situations are also determined by the Holy Spirit. And finally, I'll say this. These gifts are not earned or acquired. They are simply received or passed through us. We're the conduits of God's blessings, okay? Uh, we don't uh, go to the store and buy them. We don't earn them through spiritual points. Uh, we don't get good enough for God to use us. No, no, no. The only criteria is to be completely surrendered to God, right? That's the criteria. Is God, here am I. Hineni, I'm yours. Uh, you can use me. God, please use me. Here I am. That's the criteria. And that's the only criteria is, God, I, I am just your vessel here. Um, pour through me. Pour through me. And so just a couple things to keep in mind as we look at that. Now, last week I did talk about a word of wisdom a little bit. I want to just kind of give a little bit of a definition or a description, not really a definition, but kind of more of a description of what I see a word of wisdom is. And I believe it's spoken wisdom by the Spirit of God. It is definitely something that's meant to be spoken by us that brings wisdom and it's coming from God. Now, it's closely related to and often accompanied with a word of knowledge. 
Um, and a word of wisdom can bring clarity, can bring insight, can bring revelation, can bring direction. And so it's a gift of wisdom from God that is spoken out to someone to help them, to encourage them, to help them see something, to bring clarity, uh, and to remove confusion, uh, to bring revelation, to bring us into a, 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 a awareness of what God is doing or saying or wanting. And so it's a very powerful gift. Um, and last week I talked about an example of Paul. Uh, on, a, on, a sh on a journey on a ship and how he had a word of wisdom from God that it was going to be a dangerous journey if they, if they went forward with it. And the people rejected his counsel. They rejected the wisdom of God. And they had a shipwreck. And then Paul had another word of wisdom for them right before their ship was destroyed. And he told them what to do by the Spirit of God so that they would all be saved. And God in his mercy gave him a second chance. And even then they were still not wanting to listen to Paul, but um, they eventually did and no one lost their lives, okay? And so that was a word of wisdom. That was, that was from God to Paul, to the people, trying to warn them of danger. That's pretty powerful to have that kind of insight, right? And that only comes from God. It didn't come from Paul. Paul was just the, the vessel. But then I talked about an example of Jesus. And I gave several examples of Jesus operating in the gift of the word of wisdom. And often uh, he would have uh, moments where he was being challenged and cornered by the religious community, trying to trap him, uh, trying to get him to incriminate himself uh, or to break the Torah uh, and disqualify himself, and yet the Holy Spirit continued to give Jesus wisdom that pierced right through those evil plans and brought clarity, uh, brought revelation, uh, and kept him, uh, kept him safe. And so uh, I just want to give a quick example uh, of in my own life. I remember someone uh, sharing with me years ago, we were building this building. I think I mentioned this last week. And they gave me a word of wisdom. Papa Gill and his wife at, and my wife were together having lunch. And we were, we were discussing about the, uh, the Jenny's Memorial Foundation and, and uh, you know, applying for a grant. And they just had a word of wisdom from God and said, you need to apply for the full amount because we believe God says uh, that, that they're going to bless, that, bless you with that. And that's what we did. And that really gave me courage to... Uh, to ask for that amount. And, and uh, it was a word of wisdom, and God blessed us, and it was awesome. So God has this gift for you and also through you to bless other people. How awesome would it be to have perfect, holy wisdom from God when we need it and we don't know what to do or what direction to go um, or what we need to know that we don't know? Wow, what a blessing. And so there's words of wisdom that God wants to speak through you to others and through others to you. So we give God thanks for that gift. Now, the second um, gift mentioned in this trifecta of revelation gifts, and then revelation really means to bring to light or to bring understanding, right, is a word of knowledge. So I would describe that as revealed information or facts or truths that are otherwise unknown that the Holy Spirit reveals to you or to me in order to help us with something. It could aid in a word of wisdom. It could aid us in how to pray for someone. It could aid us in counsel or to rebuke or to correct or to be warned or to witness to someone uh, or to 
uh, in the face of persecution. Uh, God could give us a word of knowledge. And again, this is different than a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom uh, is filled with wisdom. A word of knowledge is information or truth or facts that God reveals to us that's going to help us or help uh, others or help build his kingdom or, or help warn us. And these, this gift is, is, is all over the place in the, in the Bible. So one example I want to give you, a really famous story, is out of Genesis chapter 41. And this is the story of Joseph. And Joseph, remember, was, um, uh, was a, he had dreams, and God would speak to him in dreams. And then God ended up using that gift in him later in his life when Pharaoh um, had a dream, and he was really concerned about it. So he asked all the wise people, all the magicians, all, the, all of those people around him to interpret the dream, and no one could. So he's getting super frustrated and super upset. And then, of course, someone remembers uh, about Joseph, who Joseph got used to interpret dreams before. So Pharaoh calls Joseph before him, and, and uh, he shares this dream. And he says, I heard that you can do this. So in verse 15 of chapter 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream... You can interpret it. Of course, this is coming from uh, a story in, earlier in Joseph, Joseph's life when he was in prison. Remember the uh, cupbearer and the baker both had dreams. And Joseph, they told his, their, their dreams to him and he interpreted them and they both came true. One lost his life. The other was restored. The cupbearer was restored. And so then Pharaoh uh, heard this through his cupbearer that Joseph could do this. So he says, I've heard that you, you, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And this is what Joseph said. No, I cannot. I can't do it. Joseph replied, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I love that response in verse 16. Joseph was like, no, 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 it's not me. It's not me. No one can do this. No one can do this. This only God can do this. I'm just the vessel. So he says, but God can do this for Pharaoh. And God did do this for Pharaoh. And Joseph heard the dream, interpreted it for him through the Spirit of God. And this was Pharaoh's response um, in verse 38. He says, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Pharaoh recognized there, there's only, this is only possible because God himself has used this man. This man has the spirit of God on him and in him. <laughs> Isn't that what God wants? Is that his spirit would be in all of us, upon all of us. And so this gift of the word of knowledge, Joseph had the word of knowledge uh, and, and was able to interpret this and give Pharaoh information that ended up saving not just the kingdom there of Egypt, but ultimately Joseph's own family and the covenant journey and promises that God has given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God used Joseph to save his family and bless the known world there in Egypt. The saving of many lives. Isn't that awesome? And so that was the gift. The gift, again, came through God, through a person, and it was for the common good. It was for the good of others. 
Okay, and so then I want to look at examples of Jesus. So Jesus, uh, there's an example of him with a woman, a Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. So it says here that Jesus was with this woman um, and his disciples went away to go get food. And he's talking with her and he's, he's saying things like in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water at this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So he's, he's trying to witness to her. He's trying to break the ice with her. Um, you know, and he's, he's talking about the things that are around him and what she's getting water. And he's like, you know, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water because I got water that's better than this water. <laughs> you know, my water will end. When you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. Your soul will be satisfied. You'll have eternal life. You'll have an eternal spring. Right. So he's witnessing to her. He's trying to he's trying to break. He's trying to open her eyes to this whole different spiritual conversation. And in the midst of this, um, the Holy Spirit gives Jesus a word of knowledge, information. All right. Says the woman said to him, sir, I uh, this is verse 15. Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And then Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, here's the word of knowledge. You have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And that took her aback. All of a sudden, this guy knows something about her. She didn't say this. Uh, you know, this wasn't on uh, the website at the time. You know, Jesus didn't do some research on her. Uh, this is the Holy Spirit. He had never seen this woman before, never known her, didn't know anybody around her. And the Holy Spirit gave him a word of knowledge to crack open her heart, get her attention, and get her to listen. Whoa, wait a minute. Who is this? Because she says, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. All of a sudden now, she's leaning in to what Jesus has to offer to her. The gift aided Jesus in opening her heart to hear and receive the truth that he was trying to get to her. It was amazing. We go into the story a little bit further and uh, working down in verse, let's see, I'm trying to find it, uh, 29. She goes to the town and she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. <laughs> Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? Now, I'm, I'm laughing because he didn't tell her everything she ever did, but she's exaggerating. She's basically saying, he, he knows everything. He, it was a miracle. She was acknowledging that the knowledge that he spoke to her was a miracle. This must be God. This can't just be a person. I've never seen this man before. And out of the blue, he's telling me who I am and exactly what's going on in my life. And so the town actually listened to her and they came out to, to listen to him. And it says that many in verse 39 of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So that gift allowed Jesus the opportunity to actually reach a whole town. And then later, after they all came out and listened to Jesus and began to believe in him, 
They said in verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Pretty cool. The gift of the word of knowledge the Holy Spirit gave to Jesus opened the door for an entire city to be saved. Wow. Remember, the gift is always for the common good. It's always not to uh, impress people with yourself, but it is to impact people. It's to make everyone else better around you. And in this case, it brought people to salvation. Awesome. Awesome. And this is the Holy Spirit working through Jesus, just like he wants to work through you and through me. And so I remember years ago, I've told this story a couple of different times. One of our uh, kids was experiencing night terrors. And Amy and I were praying, praying for him and, you know, searching for understanding, trying to figure out what was going on. And God gave us a word of knowledge that it was the source of this problem was a video game that our child was playing that we had allowed him to play. And on this video game, there's some dark stuff, some evil stuff that we found out as we looked into it. And through the influence of those images and that video game, it was affecting his brain at night and it was a spiritual attack against him and against our family. God gave us a word of knowledge. He just opened up our minds to see it's this game. So we stopped the game and the night terror stopped. Of course, we were praying and all that, but that's how we discovered what the real issue was. And it just immediately solved the problem, a word of knowledge. And it was for the benefit of our family and for our children. Uh, the third one of these three that we're looking at today, the revelation gifts, is the distinguishing between spirits, which really that was also kind of part of that solution for us, realizing there's a spiritual attack coming against our child, but there is a opening uh, that we had to close. There was a door that was open that we had to shut, that we had allowed that door to be open. We had to understand what was going on and then close that door. So I want to talk about distinguishing between spirits. Um, here's a description I would give. The Holy Spirit giving discernment to us of the influence of an evil or a human spirit at work. The Holy Spirit is not the only spirit. We can have a human spirit of arrogance, pride, uh, bitterness, anger. Um, you can be uh, all kinds of different evil spirits that are influencing us, influencing society. Uh, there are fallen angels that are demons. And so they are always at work. The Bible says that we are wrestling not against flesh and blood, against people, but we are wrestling against powers and principalities in high places, in, spirit, in the spiritual realm, that are trying to destroy, harm, steal uh, from us, take away from us, harm us, and, and take our lives, right? So we are in a, what the Bible describes as a battle. We are in a fight, a spiritual fight. And so we need to have this gift of distinguishing between spirits or understanding is there an influence other than the Holy Spirit at work in this person, in this situation, in, in, in this society, in this, in, this, in this area? For instance, the example I just gave you in our home. And so this is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us, the discernment 
of the influence of some other spirit at play. And the biblical example I want to give you is found in Acts chapter 8. And so there's this man I want to read for you. His name is Simon the Sorcerer in Samaria. And it says, Now for some time a man named, this is chapter 8 verse 9, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. So he had a following. He was propped up. He was arrogant. He was looking for all the attention. The people acclaimed him. Wow, you're the great divine power. Like, you're God, right? So this is Simon the sorcerer was wooing people with his magical tricks and perhaps uh, devilish inspired powers. Okay? And so then Philip comes to town. And Philip is preaching the gospel, and it says that as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, people were baptized, both men and women, and Simon himself believed and was baptized. So Simon heard the gospel from Philip, was baptized, and gave his life to Christ. And so this is the scenario. He's coming out of this sorcery, out of this... uh, witchcraft or magic thing that he he was doing. He gets saved. He gives his life to Christ. And it says, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So Simon saw that Philip had better magic, right? If you want to put it that way. And he was impressed with these signs and wonders. What was going on? What were some of the signs and wonders? In verse 7, it says, with shrieks, Evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So Philip is casting out devils. People who are paralyzed and crippled are being healed and walking. And Simon is seeing this, and he's like, this is amazing. Okay? So he's following Philip, and then the apostles come, Peter and John. They come to town, and they find out that while these people are saved, they haven't yet received the Holy Spirit. They haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were only baptized in water in the name of Jesus. But they weren't filled with the power from on high. And so Peter, John, it says here in verse 15, when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Verse 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, this is what he did. He was amazed. He was impressed. He could see. Now, he saw, he saw, the Bible says, when he saw that the Spirit was given. So what did he see? Well, obviously, there were signs and wonders. There's probably the speaking of tongues. There was this transformation, this this transference of power. Somehow he saw an amazing difference in people when they received the Holy Spirit, right? The power from on high. And it says, when he saw that, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter had the gift of discerning of spirits. Peter immediately saw beyond the surface into the true motivations 
of Simon the sorcerer, even though Simon had professed faith in Christ, there was an evil spirit at operation still in his life, and he wanted to bring that gift back to himself to elevate himself and, and to have this power. He was offering money for it. And, he, and there was something wrong. It was just something off there. And Peter, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, called him out, and he said this in verse 20, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money? Like I said at the outset, you can't buy, you can't earn, you can't generate any of these gifts. You can't go to the store, or you can't do enough good deeds to make yourself worthy of them. These are gifts from the Holy Spirit. And no man, no woman, no person owns any of these gifts or can buy them or earn them, right? And so Peter sees through this and he's rebuking Simon. And he says in verse 21, you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought. In your heart, verse 23, for I see, he saw with that the spiritual gift of discernment, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. So Peter's operating in this gift. And instead of bringing Simon along with this spirit of bitterness and spoiling the ministry Peter cut it off right there at that moment because the Holy Spirit showed him, have nothing to do with this. There's an evil spirit at work. It's a spirit of bitterness. And then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. And so that's the end of, of, our, of our understanding of Simon of the sorcerer. And it's because Peter was operating with that gift to cut that spirit off right there at that moment. And so we see how that works. Now, Jesus obviously uh, operated in all of the gifts, right? And so the example I wanted to point out to you for Jesus, in fact, a third of Jesus's ministry as written in the Gospels is demon deliverance, right? Delivering people from demons, casting out demons, but we're not going to talk about those examples. The example I want to talk about is found in Mark chapter 8. And this is a really good example because it shows the subtlety of the spirits that can be at work trying to interrupt what God has for your life. Here we are looking at Mark chapter 8, and I want to read verse 31. Jesus then began to teach his apostles that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. Verse 32, he spoke plainly about this. So he's describing to his apostles what's going to come. Through the word of knowledge God had given him, he sees what's happening, also confirmed by the prophecies that he had studied since he was a boy. He knew that this was the journey that God had called him on, and now he's teaching his apostles and preparing them, his disciples, preparing them for this reality, that he is going to be rejected, he's going to be killed, but he will rise again. He's speaking plainly to them of this, but this was not in their uh, paradigm of the Messiah. Their idea of a Messiah was to defeat the Roman Empire, 
to build up the, the nation of Israel, to restore the kingdom of David to its glory days, right? It was a military Messiah. It was a physical kingdom on the earth, destroying physical armies and building physical walls and having gold and having power and having self-sufficiency and, and, and being the greatest nation on the earth again. This was their idea of a Messiah, not a Messiah who was going to die. They didn't have the revelation yet of how Jesus was going to forgive us of all our sins and save our lives for eternity, right? They wanted an earthly champion. So with all this going on, it says he spoke plainly about this, and Peter, his right-hand man, Peter, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter is rebuking Jesus. No, Lord. No, that's not, that's not right. No, that can't be true. No, that can't be happening. No, that's not what we're doing here. Okay, so Peter's rebuking him, and when Jesus turned and he looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, and listen to what he says. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And so, you know, this is a, a complicated idea, but it's actually pretty simple. And it's this, that God, or let me put it this way, that the human vessel that we have, we can be used by the enemy to say harmful and wrong things to one another. We can have a human spirit of fear, could speak out. Uh, we could be speaking out from a spirit of bitterness, a spirit of anger. In this case, there is a spirit trying to speak through Peter to stymie and stop Jesus from going down this path that would lead to your salvation and mine. And even though it was Peter, a trusted, close, close person to Jesus, the enemy was still trying to use that person, Peter, to stymie Jesus and, and to, to alter his course. And Jesus saw through that and he rebuked Satan being, being using Peter to try to stop him from doing what he's doing. Listen, if, if, if this is how Jesus had to deal with things, it's going to be the same for you and for me. But I do want to caution you to maybe not quite say it the way Jesus said it to your spouse or to your close friends when you feel like they're operating in an evil spirit, okay? I wouldn't just look at them and say, get behind me, Satan, and point at them and, you know, <laughs> I don't think they'll go over very well, you know what I'm saying? But to recognize that in our weakness, in our frailness as human beings, when I'm hungry, when I'm tired, when I'm frustrated, I can say things that are not true, that are not helpful, that are not right, that can be used of the enemy to offend and hurt, and hurt other people. And uh, in this case, Peter had his mind set on something that was not true, and he was defending what his human will wanted, but it was the enemy using that fear in Peter to speak to Jesus. I hope that helps you to see. It's very important for us to, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to listen to him because there are spirits all around always trying to manipulate us, trying to attack us, discourage us, uh, and persuade us to get off the track that God has for us. You know, God's Spirit always brings peace. 
Always brings clarity. Always brings love. Always is a benefit. Never brings condemnation, fear, you know, th these types of things. And so that's not coming from the Spirit of God. When you're feeling fearful, you're feeling condemned, you're feeling all kinds of weight and heaviness and pressure and stress. It's not coming from the Spirit of God, okay? And so use that wisely. I want to give you one example, personal example. And I, I've had many of these where there's something just not right. In my spirit, I can feel that there's something not right with this person, okay? It's a, something's off. And I, and I will, there's times where I have steered clear of certain situations, certain people, and I've just decided I'm not going to get close to them. Because in my spirit, I'm feeling that there's some spiritual something wrong there. Okay, uh, there's been times when I felt by the Spirit of God, I was warned to stay away from certain situations or to get out of certain areas, physical areas. Now, one example, I was on the phone call once with a very prominent ministry and they were going to come to town. They were willing to come to our church and do their ministry as a very, very famous uh, person and a very well-known ministry. And as I'm talking to the person about it, I just didn't feel right. Everything in my flesh wanted this person to come to our church. I'm not going to say who it is, by the way. But everything in my flesh was like, oh, this would be so cool like for this person to be in our church. I mean, wow, won't that look great? I mean, you know, this is my flesh speaking. And, and yet, in my spirit, I didn't feel right about it. So we kind of had a preliminary idea what was going to go on. And, uh, you know, finish the conversation and that whole rest of the day and that night, I just didn't feel good about it at all. And the next day, I call the person back and I'm basically sharing with them, I just don't feel right about this. Uh, my spirit's not feeling right about this. And as soon as I begin to um, express these feelings uh, and cancel our uh, penciled in agreement, just this anger came flying out of the phone at me and I was being rebuked and there was just all this anger and all this stuff coming out and all this spewing and all of a sudden my spirit just got so heavy and I saw this evil just coming out of the phone and I got off that phone and I was like wow God that person is just in a bad state and I just felt like I needed a shower a spiritual shower but I hung that phone up and I was so glad that I decided not to have that person come because there was some bad stuff going on in their spirit. And that was just, that was just an example of distinguishing the spirits and feeling a sensitivity in my own spirit. Something wasn't quite right. And so the reason why we talk about these gifts is because I'm hoping that you see that the Holy Spirit is here to help you and to speak through you to work through you, to love through you, and others to you, to respect God and the working of His Holy Spirit in your life. Because all of these gifts are for our benefit and for each other's benefit, for the common good. I believe God gave me that, that gift that, that day so that I would protect our congregation from something that could have been an a negative influence or some sort of something that could have happened that would have been harmful to us. It was a, it was a gift that was given for the common good, to protect our congregation from whatever evil spirit or evil anger or bitterness or whatever that was raging inside of that person at that time. 
And so all of these gifts, I'm just trying to show you, they were in Jesus's life. Uh, they were in the, in the Old Testament times, the New Testament times with the apostles. They, they were all in Jesus's ministry. This is how Jesus ministered. And now they're with you, right? Jesus says you will receive power uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says, now lives inside of us. And all of these gifts can, can be released and given to us by him in his choosing to help us and to build one another up. So I pray that you continue to open your heart to God, to say, God, here I am. Use me. Let me be in union with your will. Let your will be done on earth, not mine. Let your kingdom come, not my kingdom, on the earth, Lord, as it's ordained in heaven. So let me just pray a blessing on you today. God, I just thank you for my brother and my sister who's watching this right now. And I just pray for a fresh touch from heaven for them, that they would experience more of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and teach us how to live in union with you. Help us to hear your voice, your leanings, your whispers, your directions. Help us to be an avenue, Lord, a pipeline, a conduit of your gifts that we might be blessed and others might be built up. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of your presence, for your Holy Spirit. Help us to live in victory. Help us to make a difference. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in his name. Amen. God bless you.